Hello and welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're Qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacey.com for information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours as well as what the Blue Badge Guiding Qualification is all about. Hi. Ding dong. Hello. Ding <laughs> what you like. It's not the Big Ben week this week. Oh, no, <laughs> it's not, world. sadly. It's not. <laughs> but how are you? I'm very well. I'm noticing a slight difference in your, uh, you, I mean, this is perfect uh, content for a podcast, isn't it? Uh, how you're looking at the moment. You, We've had a change. And a yes. style change. I had a nose job, everybody. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Um, I've dyed my hair. I've gone blonde. I've gone no, you've, blonde. Got, you've gone platinum. I've gone platinum. Uh, yes. Um, I thought, you know what? I fancy a bit of a bit of a change. We've got so many greys coming through these days. So um, I thought... You're, to be honest, you're looking more and more goth guide by the week. Am I? I just, yeah, yeah I just need a bit of black lipstick and a bit of, of eyeliner. Punky hairdo, it's brilliant. Yeah, I've got bits of, little bits of purple in it as well. Oh, you see? Yeah. Goth yeah. guy for the win. Goth guy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you are looking curly as ever. I, well, I'm looking quite sweaty. It's oh, I say that. It's been my, uh, the, the thing that I've done the most of, or most consistently this week, is sweat. Because oh. I am incredibly sexy. Um... <laughs> It has been, oh, what is with this weather? It has been blisteringly hot and then thunderstorming and humid. God, to the point that stations are being flooded. Did you see the picture of Stratford Station? Oh, if you haven't seen it, everybody, have a look at the pictures. Oh, my God. Absolutely mad. I just, it, it, yeah. It's so weird. Oh, you know. Well, we know why it is. But anyway, let's not get into that today because it's all far too depressing. Let's talk about... The Olympics. The, the, the Olympics. The Olympics. I love the Olympics. The oh, Olympics are great. Our colleague Leo is over at the Olympics at the moment. She is, <gasps> is uh, she? Working, working there at the minute. Yeah. Oh, in Tokyo. In Tokyo, yeah. No, oh the, the other Olympics is down the road in Hackney. Wow, gosh. I was going to say, what's she doing over there? Also, oh, well, she, she, she does a, um, she does a non-guiding job, but she does um, yeah, some, some stuff uh, behind the scenes at the Olympics. So she's uh, doing that again this year. Exciting. I don't Good think it's that her. fun because you, know, you can't go anywhere because the whole place is sort of locked down, really. But anyway. Yeah, true. Anyway. Anyway. So, um, another day, another episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, this week, oh, I'm so, so looking forward to this one this week. It's so good. But before we, <laughs> before we talk about Jack Shepard, um, who I'm super excited about, we have to clear up the matter of last week and the podcast pedestal. We now do. I have to say, I think this is that last week's podcast is the one that we've possibly had the most comments and messages about. I don't know about you, but I've had quite a lot. I have, yeah. It's just such a crazy story, yeah. and I think it's one of those not heard about this woman. Um, yeah, and you told it so well. Well Thank done. You. Yeah, Nor Inayat Khan, who is a, a just just such a fascinating lady, and um, you know the, the amount of stuff that I mean, relatively young when she died, and goodness me the amount of stuff that we had to talk about so much stuff and you know the fact that she went over to france during the second world war as the first um you know special operations executive um operations person 
a female one during the Second World War. I mean, such an incredible woman. And mm. yeah, so many people have, have messaged and gone, oh, I've never heard of her. She's amazing. I mean, yeah, so um, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. It was tremendous and heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't listened to, to last week's one, what are you what are you even doing? Go stop right now and go and listen to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Don't start on 45. What is this no, episode 45? Uh, 40, yeah, something, something like that. Something like um, that. And so the podcast pedestal choices last week, which are the, the crux points of the story that we uh, we give you to vote on, and which is your favourite or your you, what you think the most important thing uh, a bit of the story is. Um, we had, I think, two pretty good choices last week. Your choice was the fact that she spoke fluent French because that's where she'd grown up. And that was obviously very key in them picking her for the special operations. And Absolutely. meant that, you know, she blended in perfectly. Yeah. Very good choice. Thank you very much. I think our choices were quite level, actually, because you chose the refusal um, or just refusing to go back to Britain to leave her post and leave the danger and uh, come back, which... Yeah, it's a very important crux point in the story. Yeah, especially when the rest of the the network, the resistance network, had been infiltrated and, and were shopped and they were all arrested. And then she's the only British agent working, and she's like, "Nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay. I've got a mm. job to do." Mm. So as you might imagine, the vote, the result is quite close. It's, I thought it would be. It's another Brexit week. It's another forty-eight to fifty-two. Oh my god! <laughs> well, last week it was a Brexit week, wasn't it? And uh, was it last I think, week, yeah, possibly. I think so. Well, for a couple of weeks actually, it's been quite close. Yeah. And it went in my favour last week, so I'm currently winning. Oh, are you now? Are you now? You don't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this week, the 52%, the winning vote, has gone to me. Oh, really? <laughs> You're such a good loser. <laughs> oh, well done. No, well done. As it's I said, it's, it gone was... to the not, it's gone to the um, uh, not wanting to return from, uh, from France. Yeah, so uh, what does that make us? Does that make us equal now? I think it's 2121. Oh, hello. Hello. Stephen Stevens. Stephen Stevens. So, congratulations. Is it first to 100? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> God, bloody hell. Is that what we're doing? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe first to 40. First to 40, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, so, that's it. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for all your votes, everybody. Yay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, this week, Jack Shepard. I cannot Jack wait. Jack Shepard. Yes. That's where the wheel landed last week to select the destination. So the wheel landed in Hyde Park, which it had never landed before. Yes. Um, and I chose a man who is um, or was very well connected to the area, especially on the last day of his life. Oh, okay. I thought that was going to be a... Ooh. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, really? Um, ooh, but you ooh. know the stories. <laughs> Um, so I am talking about a man called Jack Shepherd, whose name came up a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about the house of detention over in Clerkenwell. Yeah, that was brilliant. The explosion, um, the explosion of Um And I mentioned that the house of detention, the little bit that's left, is on a most haunted series with Derek Acora. Yep. And Derek suddenly sees um, Jack Shepherd running through... <laughs> So, um, <laughs> as you do, <laughs> as you do. Oh, look at that! There's Jack Shepherd. Off he goes. <laughs> There's Jack the Land. All no, right, okay, love. So you say this. Did he know the story of Jack Shepherd? Like, did he know what he looked like, or like, how did he know that that was Jack Shepherd? Is what I'm asking. 
all he said is, and I'm sensing that there's somebody called Jack Shepard. Yes, there's Jack <laughs> Shepard and he's coming through. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah. he didn't die there, as we will soon find out from the story. But he was detained in um, the new prison, which was there before the House of Detention. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so you know this story. So you know about well, Jackie know bits, Boy, again, don't you? I know bits of it. I know bits of it. Probably not as much as you're going to tell tonight. But um, Okay. All right. Yeah. Well. Here we go. So um, Jack Sheps, um, he was born in the early 18th century and he was born in Spitalfields. Ooh, is that, Ooh is that thank you. <laughs> yes, that's better. That's much better. Thank you. Um, he was baptised in Stepney, so a bit of an East London lad. Yep. And he was actually baptised a day after he was born and they presume this is because he was quite ill when he was first born. And I think his mum and dad thought that they were going to lose him. Um, they'd actually Big lost thing to do, isn't it? Really? Yeah, well, yeah, quickly. Really <laughs> him. Oh God, can you imagine? Um, they did actually lose a son before Jack, who they named Jack. So he is named after his brother who passed away. So creativity strong in that family. It was super strong. Um, he also had a second brother who will kind oh, of Jack. come. Uh, no, Thomas. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he will enter the story a little bit later. Um, and also had a young sister called Mary who also passed away. There's um, a lot of sadness, actually, to the start of his life because a couple of years before he loses his sister, he also loses his dad. So um, there's Jack, quite a bit of trauma. you feel sorry for him before it's even started. Well, I don't think he's a really... He's not that bad, I have to say. I don't want to give the game away too much. Kind of fun, to be fair. He's a, he's a fun buddy. Yeah, I mean, people called him Jack the Lad. You know, it's the kind of person that you, you wanted to have a drink with. But anyway, I'm leaping ahead here. <laughs> so, um, you know, he grew up in quite a, uh, an unstable home. Um, there was a lot of death. And his mother, she basically couldn't afford to keep him. So at the age of six, just at the age of six years old, she sends him to a workhouse in Bishopsgate. Oh, no, we've talked about workhouses before and how terrible they are, haven't we? We have. And you can imagine, I mean, I'd like to think that she would have been worried. And, you know, at the age of six, hoping to God that wherever your son is going or child, that they're going to be looked after. Um, I haven't read any other connection about him and his mother, so I don't know if they do meet up later in life or, or what. That's that's all I've been able to gather. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, Still under the age of 10, he suddenly is an apprentice to a cane chair maker. Oh, very fancy. Yeah, but his master soon passed away. But thankfully, there Where's were he? more... I was starting to think that Jack is the, uh, is the first kind of... <laughs> he is a bit of a curse, isn't he? Any, any person that comes into close contact with Jack the lad um, <laughs> has a very sorry end. Um, but no, so he works for him and his master dies. He then um, is sent out to a second cane chair maker. Thank God there are so lots of cane chair makers out there. No, but um, the, the master of this one treats Jack really badly and this is physically and mentally so I you know I do feel sorry for Jack at this point because as I say this is all before he's 10 years old um, but then he works as a shop boy for a man called Mr Knee Bone a Mr William Knee Bone who are, are apparently you joking that is a, that is that is surely a joke name no Mr William Kneebone. it's great isn't it <laughs> 
Um, so uh, he was a wardraper with a shop on the Strand, and Kneebone will actually come into the story a little bit later. Um, I don't, don't want to give the game away too much, but uh, yeah. Poor Mr. Kneebone. No, I'm not going <laughs> to do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Now, he then goes into um, carpentry. So apparently Jack was very good with his hands. He was very good with woodwork. But after about five years, he thinks, do you know what? I'm bored of this. And he's at the age of 20 now. And this is where he starts to turn to the dark side of life. And he starts to perform a couple of crimes. But A couple of crimes. I'll get you. <laughs> now, um, what was he like? So at the age of 20, he was... Um, lightly built he was five foot four ha apparently had a, a pale face with large dark eyes a wide mouth and a quick smile okay do you know anyone with a quick smile i you <laughs> <laughs> i hate people with a slow smile i know it's just like, oh my god get there already <laughs> what's the matter with you um apparently had a bit of a stutter but he was very, very popular. He was popular in the local taverns. Very popular in a pub, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was called the Black Lion, just off of Drury Lane. And the Black Lane Lion... Yeah, so many pubs around that area. Just oh, yeah. Brilliant. You can imagine and it being a... Definitely. ...teaming with, with the criminal underworld. Well, that's it. And the Black like... Lion was where yeah. they all stood. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my voice is starting to run out there. Um... <laughs> So it was a bit of a breeding ground for criminals, including a one one man called Joseph Blueskin Blake. Um, I haven't been able to find okay, out. I am loving the names in this episode. Uh, seriously, blue skin, like just constantly wound up Brilliant. to the point that he's about to burst. I don't know. I don't know why he's got blue skin. Oh, that, um, that, 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 that makes it sound horrible. I'm so, yeah. Anyway, br brilliant names, great names. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, get this one. Also, somebody else called Jonathan Wilde, who later becomes his future partner in crime, and he is known as the Thief Taker General. The Thief Taker General. The that's, Thief Taker General. That's even better than uh, Elizabeth the First's Witch Finder General and all of that. Like the yeah. Thief Finder General. I love it. It's great, isn't it? Uh, now he also bumps into a woman, and when I say bumps into, um, she was a prostitute. So. Um, Oh, woman. Actually, I shouldn't go. <laughs> I was going to say bumps into her quite a lot, but that's. Um, so uh, he bumps into a woman called Elizabeth Lyon, who was known as Edgeworth Bess. Um, Edgeworth Bess, because this was the place of birth for her, Edgeworth in Middlesex, and she was a prostitute. So um, Jack the Lad is turning into a bit of a. A man with the ladies. He's always got a woman on his arm. He's drinking quite a lot. Um, and as you can imagine, his carpentry has massively suffered. <laughs> That's the most thing you're most worried about. His carpentry has suffered. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't made anything for quite a while now. But he doesn't need to because he starts to get involved in a bit of petty crime. So um, it's about the 1720s and this is where he starts to shoplift. He starts to pinch things, pickpocket and, um, and take little things such as coins and silver spoons. But it's not long before he starts to move on to the larger crimes where he's actually going into people's homes. They are sleeping in the dead of night. Their window might be open because perhaps it's a little bit warm and in he goes taking all that he can 
Oh, Jack, you cheeky little monkey. I know, seriously. And um, he was not suspected of his crimes. People thought that he was such a, a nice, lovely guy, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a, well, a bit of a naughty one with the prostitutes, but not somebody who was going to steal from you. So... Um, he got away with quite Hiding a lot. Hiding in plain sight, isn't he? I know, I yes. love it. He's such a charmer. No one's going to believe uh, the, the worst of him. Exactly. Now, he then uh, marries Edgeworth Bess. He marries this prostitute and they move in together and they move to various places such as Fulham. Um, they go to Parsons Green. They go to Piccadilly. And then suddenly his wife, his new wife, she is arrested and she also pickpockets. She's also going into people's uh, handbags and taking whatever she can, you know. So she is in prison. She's imprisoned in a prison that doesn't exist anymore, but it was called St Giles Roundhouse, which would have been where the beer flood, the famous beer flood, happened in the first episode. Yes, the beer flood. (laughs) Yes, hark back to the beer flood episode. Um... So uh, he actually goes into the prison and he breaks her out. And this kind of starts... Yes, this kind of starts this thing where he becomes quite famous for uh, getting himself and others out of bother. Um, So she was arrested. He breaks her free. And suddenly he is then arrested. And this was after a burglary which he committed with his brother. If you remember him? Ah, Thomas. Tom. Yes, Tom. Yeah. Um, But Tom actually informed on Jack to the police. So Tom was up um, for charges which could potentially result in um, him being, uh, I was going to say put to death, put to sleep. (laughs) Put to sleep. To sleep um, for him being issued the death warrant, basically. So oh, because of that, goat. yes. And usually, you know, if you are up on death row, the way that you could get out of it is if you, you know, basically told the police who was working with you, and then you would hopefully, fingers crossed, be let off. So Tom actually ratted on his brother in the hope that he would be let off. Oh, he God. was let off, but unfortunately, Jack was then arrested for this. And I don't know Hero, what... Jack, no, don't... I know, I know. And I don't know what the um, what the relationship was uh, between the brothers after this, but I can imagine um wasn't very good. Well, I mean, it depends. How have you been whenever your uh, siblings have ratted you to the police? I mean, strained, right? Yeah, yeah. Ticked off. <laughs> Ticked off, if I remember. Um, so uh, he is imprisoned overnight on the top floor of St Giles Roundhouse but he escapes within three hours he breaks (laughs) he's just there for three hours and he breaks through the timber ceiling and he lowers himself to the ground with a rope that is fashioned from bedcloths and this becomes a bit of a theme the whole taking your bedcloths taking your linen and creating some kind of rope so, Which is kind uh, of the classic thing you see in movies, isn't it? Of yes, exactly. everything together and then... Uh, and you think, surely this doesn't actually work. But apparently for Jack the Lad, it does. Um, now, he was still wearing his irons. He's still wearing his leg irons oh, when wow. he actually leaves. Um, and he 
Pooley joins a crowd. So the crowd has found out that a prisoner has escaped. So quickly people are, uh, you know, gossiping down on the street level and going, oh my God, you know, where could he be? Where could he be? And Jack actually gets into the crowd and says to a couple of people, oh, look, I think I see him up there. Look, up at the shadows. There he is. <laughs> Legend. Yes. Yeah, so he's actually trying to, you know, create a bit of a decoy so he can uh, stop people from looking down to his feet oh, and notice gosh. that he has these, <laughs> these iron chains Blanking on. away. Like, there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy isn't it um, now eventually um, he got them off and he started to drink in the taverns again um, but it wasn't too long before he was arrested for a second time and this time he was caught in the act he was pickpocketing in Leicester Fields which we know today as Leicester Square this time he is detained in another prison which is also called the Roundhouse not too far from St Giles but this one is in Soho and there he was visited by his wife. But good old Bess, here she comes. Good old Bess. But they said, "Oh, hang on a minute. We recognise you. <laughs> you're uh, you're Edgeworth Bess, aren't you? You're you've a committed... as well. <laughs> well, yeah, you've committed some crimes, so we're going to put you in the same cell. Oh. So, <laughs> randomly, like, like that's maybe playing into his hands slightly. I know, right? But you know, still, if not, uh, he's a prisoner. Are you going to let him be with his wife? What are they, uh, uh, you know, your mind boggles, doesn't it? But surely that would I be... Is, I think Jack is is being an absolute legend right now, frankly. I think this is amazing. Well, yeah. So he's there in the cell. And at this point, they're at New Prison in Clerkenwell, which later becomes a house of detention, which we spoke of a couple of weeks ago. Um, so they're there together. And this is uh, something that I mentioned, actually, on that episode, because they manage to escape. They file through their manacles. They remove a bar from the window. I mean, I don't know what the bar was made out of, because... By the sounds of it, I mean... Yeah, seriously, yeah. And um, the whole bed clothes and linen gets tied together and they descend to the ground level. Amazing. (laughs) They find themselves, however, in the yard... Um, so they still have to climb over this 22 foot high wall Um, and at this point this is actually being publicised so people now are aware of Jack Shepard they're aware of Edgeworth Bess and they're talking about how it's crazy that a man of his size remember his what did I say five foot four five foot four yeah yeah he's a small man and his wife apparently she was a very buxom woman you know she's got uh, she's got a couple of (laughs) (laughs) well that and also you know the fact that she's having to get over a 22 foot wall you know it it sparks the imagination in terms of the visual (laughs) (laughs) now um they're out he's still in london you know he's not escaped he's not thinking gosh you know they're going to be after me um and escaping brazen it's brilliant brazen i know exactly uh, this is where he starts to work with Joseph Blueskin Blake. Yes. Love now, his name again. They burgle Shepherd's former master. Yes, you know who I'm talking about, Mr. <gasps> William Kneebone. 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 Bring on the Kneebone. Bring on the Kneebone. Um, so uh, this is where uh, he gets arrested again. Actually, before he is arrested, the police are looking for him and they actually find his wife and they think she'll definitely tell us where where he is. So they piled her with so much alcohol until she was so drunk that eventually she told them where her husband was. Oh, no, Bess, no. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. So she betrayed him. 
Um, they found Jack Shepard, and this is when he's imprisoned in Newgate. Newgate, very, one of very notorious, a notorious prison. This was attached to the one of the original um, gates, one of the original gates that surrounded the old Roman walls, the New Gate, a prison that had been there from what was it, Alex, twelfth century to the 18th century yeah, about that, yeah. there for a very long time um, and this was for the burglary of knee bones house not for the previous other arrests this was separate but just that alone he was given the death sentence oh no not that was Jack. a brilliant that was a brilliant reaction there alex i've been working <laughs> do, you, on it. do you want any tissue <laughs> <laughs> not Jack Jack I'll never let go um, Jack but it's important to know that there were so many different crimes which could result in in being killed I think as you march towards the early 1800s there are about 350 different crimes that could yeah, like result really in the, the death penalty well. yeah things like um, impersonating a Chelsea pensioner so, um, you know, if you've been on the front line and you come back into London, you haven't got any money, a home, you might be placed into Chelsea Hospital. You're known as a Chelsea pensioner. You're wearing a red jacket, silver buttons. If you're impersonating a Chelsea pensioner, then, uh, death you, to then death to you. I mean, it's just absurd. So anyway, he is in Newgate Prison, which, as you say, is, is a very notorious prison. And it's one of those kind of prisons that you think that no one is ever going to be able to escape from. But this is Jack Shep. So, yes, of course, he is. does. Yes. Um, so he escapes. Now, what happens is his wife, who he's apparently not annoyed with anymore, um, she comes into <laughs> the fact that she ratted him out. Um, she comes into, into the prison with somebody else called Pole Maggot. And he's they basically. Seriously, what? These names are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Maggot. Paul Maggot. They distract the guards, and whilst they do so, Jack removes the window bars. Um, he is able to climb out, and he was also handed by his wife and Paul Maggot um, clothes to change into women's clothes. So he's gone oh. out the window, is wearing women's clothes. He takes a, a coach to Blackfriars stairs, gets a boat up to the River Thames, or up the River Thames, should I say, up to Westminster. And that's where he hides out um, in this kind of warehouse where he'd been keeping all of the stolen goods that he'd taken over the past few months. Fantastic, I love this. Yes. And at this point, even more so, people are, are, are writing about him, people are reading about him. He's known as a hero, a Cockney hero. Um, people thought he was handsome. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> I've only ever seen a sketch of what he looks he like. He was handsome, but bizarrely. Bizarrely. Dale break extraordinary. It's quite, yeah, it's quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. I think I think Bess sounds quite good looking, though. She does. It's the Great. buxom bit, wasn't All it? All the buxom, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so he does actually leave London for a little while at this point. So he visits some family in a place called Chipping Warden. Um, but he does come back. He cannot keep himself away. He goes back to the pubs that he's usually drinking in, knowing full well that the police could tap him on the shoulder at any moment. And of course they do. They find him in a pub um, near Finchley. And there he is returned to Newgate. No. And when he's at Newgate, he is visited by the great and good he's visited by people such as james fornhill so james fornhill oh, the, the great 
painter, yes, who has paintings in Greenwich. He painted Why the inner dome. Why is he Shepherd? Just to sort of, almost like this, uh, like a curio kind of thing. Well, they, I think it's just the idea that he's such a wonderful escape artist. You know, you just, I don't know, you'd follow the story, wouldn't you? you would I think if it was in modern times, you'd want to find out how he, what, he, a Netflix he managed one. it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't know if I there is it. a film. I, I don't I think there is a film. In, in, in times gone by, generally, they would, sort of, they would do that. You know, somebody would become famous for whatever reason and you'd get people going to go and chat with them or see them and, uh, you know, almost like, yeah, some kind of weird, I don't know. Yeah, ancient Netflix. Oh, it's mad, isn't it? So um, this time, because he goes to Newgate for the second time here, he's not placed in the same room. He's placed in an area of Newgate Prison, which is called the Castle. One without bars on the window, you would hope. Well, yes. So this is a bit of a sewer, they say. So if you were placed in the castle, you'd be put up on death row. You would be standing in water that was just so filthy that after, you know, a week, your feet would have just rotted. It would oh, have been that's awful. Horrid. The stench and just absolutely disgusting. So he's placed in this room. Um, he's got leg irons. He's chained to the wall. I mean, how on earth is he going to get out? Um and actually, please tell me he gets out. He does get out. Yeah, go Jack! I'm really <laughs> But he actually, he demonstrates to the jailers that the measures that they put him under were insufficient. And he actually showed them how he could use a small nail to unlock the horse padlock, which he was, uh, that the chains were kind of... Um, uh, well, that the chains were held together with, yeah. Held together with, yeah. Um, you know, and that's a, that's a rookie mistake. Hey guys, you haven't taken enough precaution. This is how I get out. <laughs> uh, it's mad, but I don't know if he he loves the thrill of it. I don't know if he. I don't think he values his life that much, actually. And the fact that he is managing to get out, he doesn't actually care if he gets put back in again. He's just going to try as much as he can to it get out. It sounds a bit but... like sport to him, doesn't it? Like he's really it does, yeah, loving the kind of cat and mouse element of it. Yeah, and I kind of get the idea from reading about it that the jailers would have been like, oh, oh my God, you know, you never guess who's in the castle, Jack Shepherd. Let's go and talk to him, you know, and being like, hey, you know, how did you do it? And he's like, well, let me tell you, lads, I can easily get out of this. And a conversation where they're like, no way. And he's like, look, let me show you. Uh, <laughs> he he so, sat there and showed them how he could get out yeah, of it. Yeah, literally. <gasps> Yeah. Nice. So at this point, this is where he was bound more tightly and extra handcuffs and all this kind of thing. Um, and Daniel Defoe, who wrote Robinson Crusoe, apparently wrote, um, I say apparently because they're not they, they're not 100% sure, but they think it was Daniel Defoe who wrote this kind of autobiography about Jack Shepard during this time. And this has gone, gone on for about a year, you know, and people are just fascinated. And uh, in this book... It says that um, Jack would jokingly say, I am the shepherd and all the jailers in the town are my flock. Oh, he's got some cheek, hasn't he? He's got he some really nerve. does. He really does. Um, now, you wouldn't believe it, but he manages to unlock his handcuffs. He manages, it's like Houdini, isn't he? He removes the chains. He's still got the leg irons on and he attempts to climb up the chimney. So a little bit of a Dick oh, Van Dyke okay. here. Um, but his path was blocked by an iron bar, which was set into the brickwork. Ah, sucker. Um, but he manages to remove the bar and he used it to break through the ceiling. 
back into the room where he was being detained, the castle. So he takes it back into the castle and breaks okay, through so the ceiling. Okay, who is supplying the bars of this prison? Because they are woefully inadequate. Well, all of these prisons, he's just like merrily taking them out the windows, taking them out the ceiling. Like, what is going on? It is seriously crazy. Now, he manages to get out. So he comes out onto the roof, he escapes down, and he actually um, goes into an adjacent house. I- I'm guessing from what I've what I've read what I understand is this house is kind of attached to the prison and he needed to go through the house in order to get out to the street level Um, and this is a house that's owned by a man called William uh, William Bird so he comes out of William Bird's house he's still got his leg irons on and he (laughs) he actually persuades a passing shoemaker to take them off and the shoemaker's like well why hang on a minute why have you got leg irons on should you be somebody that I should be a little bit worried about? And he says, look, don't worry. Look, I'm going to give you 20 shillings, okay? So, you know, your time will be worth it. But basically, I've been put up in prison. Um, they, they've put me on a crime, something that I didn't commit. You must believe me. So he says, all right then. So takes the 20 shillings and takes off his his leg irons. He's um, got the gift of the gab, hasn't he? He's clearly got the charm and the swagger. And obviously, he's able to get people to to do what he wants them to do exactly and i think the fact that he's five foot four you know he doesn't look um he probably looks quite unassuming i suppose yeah he's not yeah he doesn't look like a a massive danger not like a big burly muscly massive chap who's gonna yeah exactly um i have to say that his leg irons were later recovered in a room owned by a woman called kate cook who was one i say one of shepherd's mistresses oh so edgeworth bess was not the only woman in his life um so had a pretty kind of daredevil time here you know he's kind of meeting up with prostitutes <laughs> he's drinking <laughs> he's been in prison what four times now um so it's not surprising that somebody wants to write about write about his life and apparently in this book which was being sold um just before he well i won't give the game away um but was <laughs> was being sold um, Apparently, um, if it was Defoe, Defoe wrote that it was in Newgate that the devil came in person to assist Shepherd's escape. So people thinking, you know, that this is just unbelievable. He must have had some kind of help. He must have had help from the devil himself. That's that's really cool. I love I love that idea. Yeah. Crazy. Um, now he does get arrested again. Would you Shock believe? Surprise, Shock me. horror. So um, it's been about two weeks since he's last been in Newgate. So he gets out, goes through that house, comes out to the streets. And after about two weeks, he decides to disguise himself as a beggar. And he breaks into a pawn shop and he steals uh, a black silk suit a silver sword, rings, watches, a wig. You know, he really goes for it. Um, and he is eventually caught looking like a dandy gentleman with a diamond ring on. Um, I kind of imagine him, like, wearing a fur jacket and holding a cane. I don't think he it's was. But he's, not going, I mean? he's not going subtle, is he? He's going no. to stand out. I'm not going to sort of look like everyone and just blend in. I'm going to, like... Oh, exactly. Pathological. This is brilliant. I kind of... Yeah. Amazing. So um, he was actually arrested whilst being blind drunk. Um, So I wonder how he felt about that. I wonder if he kind of... um, 
he was ready for that or he just as I say he just didn't care I don't know um but anyway he was placed in Newgate again third time's the charm and he's placed into what was known as the middle stone room which you know as you can imagine doesn't have any windows <laughs> none of these pesky bars none of these pesky <laughs> bars and he is loaded with 300 pounds of iron weights <gasps> oh they're taking no chances they're I mean, taking is, no chances about this whole not really sort of putting a value on his life because if you were in newgate and you were destined for the the hangman's noose you try and scarper and and like go undercover and try and get away you wouldn't tart around in all your in all your finery and wait to get picked up again this is it's madness isn't it it's absolutely bonkers and at this point you know um they've been he's been given a particular date that he was going to be uh, hanged at this point and several prominent people apparently send a petition to the king at the time which is king george the first begging for his sentence of death to be um to be changed you know people loved him people saw him as a celebrity of the day um but unfortunately, it was not meant to be. And the day of his execution, the crowds, they say that a third of London's population um, was there to view the hanging. So Whoa. about 200,000 people. And this uh, took place at Tyburn, which um, was just on, well, just on the north side of Hyde Park. And I chose Jack Shepherd for Hyde Park because Hyde Park would be a place where you'd have Speaker's Corner, yeah. where Jack Shepherd would have been taken to to have his one last final say, whatever he wanted to say. Just before that, he was taken to uh, the Oxford Tavern on Oxford Street, where he drank a pint of sack, which is fortified wine. Oh, yeah. Um, so before being killed, you were often allowed to stop a, a nearby pub, a tavern, have a drink. If the people that were taking you down really kind of liked you, you could stop quite a few times on the way so that when it came to the hanging itself, you'd be so blind drunk that, you know, it would kind of mask the pain and the... Well, all the other emotions that comes with the fact that you're going to be going to be hanged um, along the journey as well. They passed a couple of shops which were actually selling this autobiography in the window all about Jack. So you could follow. Oh, really? Yeah, you could follow the cart down from Newgate off to Tyburn. You know, you're like, oh, my God, you know, I can't wait to see this because it's Jack Shepherd. He's clearly going to get out of it. You know, he's escaped from so many prisons. There's no way that he is going to be hanged today. Yeah, that's what you would be expecting, isn't it? You'd be expecting Absolutely. some amazing last minute, you know, dash away from, from the hangman's noose or something. Absolutely. Oh. And so passing, uh, I guess some of the shops that were able to get this autobiography thought, well, this is good, you know, because people uh, are going to be wanting to read this. And it was, you know, an absolute sellout because people passing these shops are like, oh, you know, I want that autobiography. I'm here right now. Here we go. Um, in the thick of it. Um, and apparently it was like a carnival atmosphere. People were singing, people were laughing, people were there in their finery. Um, and it is said that there were so many people there that apparently a group of men who were going to get at him just before he was going to be hanged were unable to get to the front because the heaving crowds <gasps> were just so Oh my goodness, so there was a plan afoot to try and... Uh, yeah, apparently there was, uh, there was a plan. Um, and so 
he was hanged everybody he was hanged yes Uh, he was condemned um, to a slow death by strangulation from the hangman's noose which did take place Um, and apparently the crowd pressed forward to stop his body from being removed as they feared that he was going to be dissected they feared that his body was going to be taken to you know a doctor or a surgeon which I think we've spoke about on a previous podcast yeah um, and to be dissected and they loved him so much they wanted his body to be you know as it was and apparently this stopped another group that were well it's probably the same group that thought well we're either going to try and get at him before he's hanged or if he is hanged we will try and get him down take him to a doctor and attempt to revive him but because this crowd of people just grabbed at his body to try and get him down because they feared that he was going to be dissected this group again just could not get to him oh my goodness so oh wow like they probably stumped by his popularity really yeah completely and um uh, apparently because everybody was grabbing his body kind of got badly mauled um and uh, was later recovered now i couldn't find out why it was later recovered like where it was if somebody kind of took it or you know the crowd were like lifting it up like you know you're at a festival and you're kind of taking people over your heads <laughs> crowd surfing corpses <laughs> crowd surfing corpses hashtag that <laughs> Oh my god! Um, but he was later buried in the churchyard of St Martin's in the Field. Oh, really? Is that where he is? Yes. I didn't know that's where we he was. need to. No, I didn't either. We need to find out to see if he's still there. Oh. This is obviously the early 1700s, and I think that St Martin's in the Field is is later than that. Later than his hanging. Um, well, the graveyard's gone, definitely, hasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I wonder whether there. I wonder if there's a plaque or something we in there. To, we still need to do a, a Ladies Who London day out and go and rummage around all these places we've been chatting about for so long. We do, we really do. Um, so when he died, you know, this story was still uh, just on everybody's lips. It was in newspapers, pamphlets. Um, it was um, turned into a stage play. So you could have gone to the Theatre Royal Jury Lane um, and this was just two weeks after he was hanged and there was already a play um, on Instagram I'm going to put up a picture of the poster for this play and it's all about Jack Shepard and him escaping from these prisons and being this this you know Houdini of the, the day kind of thing um, so yeah and also the play The Beggar's Opera John Gay's Beggar's Opera oh, yeah. apparently um, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago but one of the characters in the play was heavily influenced by Jack Shepard oh really yeah interesting gosh that's so fascinating I did not know he was in St Martin's in the Field mm. that's amazing yeah so there we go. That is a story of Jack Shepherd. Wow, how fantastic. What a great story. And I, I kind of, you know, I thought he was fab already. And now I think he's extra fab. I love it. It's so good. See, Isaac, you can't really kind of hate the guy, can you? Because, really yes, can't. he did a bit of pickpocketing. But he had such a, a traumatic upbringing. Um, and I, I imagine think him was... as a kind of real cheeky, chappy, artful dodger type. He's a proper little Del Boy, isn't he? With. Yeah, proper mm. little Del Boy. Mm. Um, he's thinking, yeah, I'd have to go to the pub with him and he'd, he'd probably be raucous laughter and, you know, tasteless jokes and it would be a hell of a lot of fun. And, and yeah. he'd probably nick off with your wallet at the end of the night, but you'd still have had a great night so you wouldn't exactly. really care. Exactly. would be like, oh, that Jack. <laughs> <laughs> he's stolen my watch. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love the idea of him as a little Dell boy. That's so good. <laughs> God, yeah. Just selling all of the things that he's stolen from a little suitcase. Podcast Pedestal. So that was such a great story. Uh, thank you so much for that. We need to pick our podcast pedestal. Do you have anything in mind? Oh, well, there's, such a, there's so many good options here, actually. Um, I, I think... Um, what do I... Hmm... I think I'm going to go with, uh, uh, yeah, am I? Yes, let's go with that. The, him showing the guards how he got out of his own irons. Like, I think the, the fact that he's sitting there going, Haha, look at all the mistakes you made, I can still do this, um, probably was his undoing because they then put him in a, uh, you know, a tighter cell, which he was not going to get out of. So I think maybe that. That is a good one. I mean, it just shows so much cheek. I'm also in potentially thinking about the, the, the group that were trying to free him but didn't manage it at his execution. Mm. But no, I think I'm gonna go I think I'm gonna go with the, the sheer the sheer cheek of him basically sort of laughing at the guards and saying uh, you know, look, you failed this is why, because I can do it. and just showing them how he gets out of his irons. Yeah, just kind of saying yeah, saying to the jailers, look, you're you're pathetic. Like if you think I'm I'm I was not right getting now, away. I you. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I will show you um, really how easy this is. I love it. Yeah. What okay. What are you going to go for? So I think I'm going to go for J- Sir James Fornhill because I think just the fact Ooh. that a painter so prolific as Sir James Fornhill to go in and and to sketch him and the sketch that that I'll put up as well that you can find online which is the main sketch of him in the cell is the one from the one that Fornhill did right so I just think that says everything it just says it says so much about how explosive this story was at the time yeah and how even though he was a crook there was this there was this love for him yeah um so yeah I think I'm gonna go for that so okay. James Fornhill. I like that. Yeah, the sort of the, the, the interest that everyone's got in him, even though they're sort of going, oh, he's a baddie, he needs to be locked up, and everyone else is going, yeah, but he's kind of cool. Yeah, it just goes to show you that, you know, people love the bad guy. People yeah. love bad guys as, as much as they love the good. Cool. So those are yeah. our options. There we go. Amazing. The Wheel of Destiny. So we have to do a little bit of spinning of the wheel. Yes, we do. We do need to do a find bit out where of we're going to go next week. Wheel. Shall I just? Shall yeah, I just go for, go for it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I want to do um, an event or a person. Um, yeah, let's just spin it and see where it, where it ends up, and I'll, I'll take. Okay. It cool. Right. Off we go, Alex. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> And it has landed in Soho. Oh, Soho. Okay. Oh, great. I mean, you know, woof, so much stuff in Soho. Um, I have got a couple of ideas for Soho. And which one am I going to go for? I think let's go for... Right. So one of my favourite tours that I do um, is my Harlots tour. And it talks... It's basically about the Georgian sex trade in Soho and Covent Garden. It's one of my favourite tours. And I want to talk about one of the women involved in that. Um, who's a lady called Kitty Fisher. Oh, meow. No Kitty Fisher? I know a little bit about Kitty Fisher. Oh, yeah, not, very not too much, lady. but uh, a little bit. So I'll be excited to hear about Kitty. 
Let's go Kitty Fisher. That's uh, for next week. So that's going to be a sledless sexy one. Oh, if I could whistle, Alex. If I could <laughs> whistle. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Uh, woohoo. Uh, yes, that's going to be uh, a sledless sexy one next oh, week. Oh, great. Back, we're back to, you know, um, celestial bed territory. Which and I was about to say we're back to new pants, please. But that's a... well, well, we, well, probably new pants, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a bit naughty, a bit cheeky. I'm up for a bit it. naughty, but on the naughty side. Yeah, that's good. Ladies who London go naughty. Yes, absolutely. Ladies who London <laughs> nighttime edition. I love that little eyebrow just there, Alex. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be it next week. So there we go. Great. That's it for this week. Thank you all so much for coming along. Uh, don't forget, we will put the poll up on our Instagram, both at Ladies Who London and on Guide Emily and Tall Guide Alex on Instagram on Sunday. Uh, and you can go along and vote. But if you want to vote in the meantime, feel free to drop us a message or comment on one of the posts on Instagram and we'll pick the vote up from there. Um, but for now, have a wonderful rest of your week and we will see you next week uh, for some more Ladies Who London. Beautiful. Thank you, Alex, and thank you, everybody. (laughs) Bye. Bye.